The find of the evening was the author of this drama about simple folk, fishmongers, in fact, whose brute struggle for existence cannot quite quell their longing for something higher. The playwright finds nobility in the most squalid corners and poetry in the most callous speech. A tough new voice in the American theater has arrived, and the owner of that voice is named Barton. The plight of the writer is to create something meaningful, something powerful. It's a creative pursuit that can be incredibly daunting due to the complex task of understanding how to create something that resonates with audiences without sacrificing what one deems as being artistically integral. Writing is an inexact science. It's about framing the complex world and the complex characters who operate within that world through a lens in which analysis of themes and emotions and story can actually be feasible an endeavor that asks so much of the writer in terms of being cognizant of other people's perspectives, it may beg the question, why not write about something simple, something more palatable? Why not write about the common man? Barton Fink follows the titular character and up-and-coming playwright who, after having a successful show on Broadway, lands a deal to move to L.A. and write a wrestling movie for Capitol Pictures. While staying at a hotel, he meets Charlie Meadows, a burly insurance salesman, after filing a noise complaint after overhearing his loud wails from next door. In each other's company, they bond over drinks, and Fink shares with Charlie his perspective on the struggle in the world of theater and creating stories between the elite and powerful and the common people. The people just like The hopes and dreams of the common man are as noble as those of any king. It's the stuff of life. Why shouldn't it be the stuff of theater? God damn it, why should that be such a hard pill to swallow? Don't call it new theater, Charlie. Call it real theater. Call it owl theater. Despite this proclamation, Barton doesn't care about hearing the stories of common people like Charlie. He romanticizes this idea of a theater revolution, one that would take the reins of power away from the wealthy, so removed from reality and storytelling and what makes theater theater, and give it to creators like himself. As much as he professes to care about the common man, he sees himself as being intellectually superior, as a creator. A mouthpiece for the common people who in his eyes are too dumb to speak the truths that he is privy to. Too ill-equipped to turn their struggle into prose or song or hard-cutting lines of dialogue into a story actually worth telling. Those who in his eyes live but simple lives compared to his. But he's also very critical of literary types. Those who don't live and breathe and speak the language of the masses, despite these criticisms being entirely applicable to himself. He's so singularly closed off from the reality of the world and of his work that he's unable to see his own hypocritical nature it's the reason why throughout the film he suffers to even get past the first opening lines of his script due to writer's block. He can't imagine the complex lives led by the everyman, and he's unwilling to actually speak to the everyman to get their perspective. Instead, his creative ambition is selfish, self-centered. It overlooks those directly within his My purview. job is to plumb the depths, so to speak. Dredge up something from inside, something honest. I gotta tell you, the life of the mind, there's no roadmap for that territory. And exploring it can be painful. Kind of pain most people don't know anything about. The modern equivalent I see in this metaphor is the idea of allyship, of being in close proximity to people and knowing their plights, 
but not actually doing what needs to be done in terms of protecting those who truly suffer. Businesses profiteer off of marginalized groups and movements. Hollywood has a tendency towards trauma porn being the only outlet through which a lot of these stories of marginalized groups can be told. There's a clear lane that exists in pretending to care about those who suffer for profit. It's over the course of the film that Barton discovers the facade that is Big Hollywood. It's a world filled with powerful elites whose bottom line is business, profit by any means necessary, shortcuts, sidesteps, whatever works. Artistic integrity and the art of storytelling aren't integral parts to the movie-making creative process. This is a harrowing realization to Barton, especially when he finds out that his literary idol is actually a debaucherous, drunken fool, who on more than one occasion has had his stories ghostwritten by his secretary. Fink is at odds with this notion of formulaity that Hollywood subscribes to, this idea of turning out B-movie after B-movie devoid of soul and passion, putting forward work that isn't your best for the sake of turning a prop. No, don't you see, Garland, not the kind of success where the critics fawn over you or, or the producers like Derek make a lot of money. No, a real success. The success we've been dreaming about. The creation of a new living theater of and about and for the common man. If I ran off to Hollywood, now I... I'd be making money, going to parties, meeting the big shots, sure, but I, I'd be cutting myself off from the wellspring of that success from the common man. In the face of Hollywood adversity, Fink can't shake feeling like a fraud. It's at the heart of his creative struggle, his individual plight as a writer. And it's through this process of being blocked, so to speak, overheating from the intense pressures thrown upon him by his superiors, that he becomes more in tune with the people who he proclaimed to speak for in the first place, the common man, those whose inner pain he's all too familiar with. No, I've always found that writing comes from a great inner pain. Maybe it's a pain that comes from a realization that one must do something for one's fellow man to help somehow ease his suffering. Maybe it's personal pain. At any rate, I don't believe good work is possible without it. The Coen brothers often center their stories around protagonists in unfair worlds. Protagonists who are distinctly isolated one way or another from regular society. Barton Fink, Larry Gopnik, Jerry Lundegaard, all share these intense similarities when it comes to being at odds with the unforgiving hand of the universe and their relation to people within it. The inhabit worlds seem designed to make them suffer, whether it's not understanding the plight of the everyman, or the uncertainty inherent within a tragic life, or being unable to properly frame your wife's kidnapping due to hiring incompetent crooks. The common man is filled with complexity, and it takes a writer with enough understanding and enough empathy for their characters to fully realize it. Mind Theater is produced and written by me, A.O. Akingbade, in collaboration with Muckraker Media. To subscribe, look for Mind Theater on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For updates on the show and upcoming episodes, follow Mind Theater Pod on Twitter. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time.
Transient or resident? I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'll be here indefinitely. Res, that'll be twenty-five fifty a week, payable in advance. Checkout time is twelve sharp. Only you can forget about that on account of your res. Now, if you need anything, anything at all, just pick up your personal in-room telephone and talk to me. My name is Chet. Although we do provide privacy for the residential guests, we are also a full-service hotel, including complimentary shoe shine. My name is Chet. Okay. Those are only bags. The others are being sent. Welcome to Los Angeles, Mr. Fink. <laughs>